Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right, gang, welcome back. Hour three officially underway, and I keep the heavy hitters. For the final hour, we've got Christopher Carter here joining the Wester Hotline to help me preview Bills and Steelers. You can check Chris on Twitter at Carter Critiques, and he's a writer for Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's also the host of Lockdown Steelers. Chris, thanks so much, man, for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Thanks. It's great to be on again, guys. I'm sitting here in Akershire Stadium waiting for Pitt Virginia Tech at 3.30, so it's a fun weekend of football. Certainly is. A lot of football going on in the Rust Belt cities right now. And uh, let's talk a little bit about this game on Sunday, Chris. And a really interesting matchup in a lot of ways, especially when you look at the spread of this game, a 14-point spread, which would signify the largest in Steelers history. Although the spread seems like that, I don't think there's a lot of Bills fans that are taking the Steelers team very likely. They just have played close games really every time these two teams have, have really matched up over the last four or five seasons. And think about some of those matchups, Nate. Like, these are these were games, like, Josh Allen faced Devlin Hodges, and it came down to <laughs> yeah, like, right. the final minute. Like, right. if you had told me that, I would say, you're drunk, or you're a Steelers fan, just being crazy. But this is Mike Tomlin. He finds ways to, put, to give his team opportunities to win. Now, the thing is, the Steelers, they've been missing a lot of those key players at the, at the right moment. The, the, the Steelers' defense has been just beat up, uh, you know, for a lot of these seasons. They were averaging 80 snaps a game going into last week. T.J. Watt has, has, has missed all but the first three or three and a half quarters of, their, of, of, of this season. Um, you know, Terrell Edmonds has now been downgraded to out in the safety position. All four, uh, you know, Kelly Witherspoon, their starting cornerback, is out for this game. You know, all four of their starting guys in the secondary were dealing with injuries this week, even the two that are going to play. So, you know, this has been rough. But this is what the Steelers do. Mike Tomlin, he finds a way to say, hey, we're going to have these matchups. We're going to have these situations. Be prepared for these moments and you'll be able to get, get us in the game. It'll come down to you guys. They just haven't been able to do that in the last three games. And, Chris, I, like obviously the move, and everyone's talking about the Mitch Trubisky getting benched and, and obviously Kenny Pickett making his first start against the Bills. I, I, we had Trey Wingo on the station this week kind of talking about this. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I agreed with him is, like, if you bench your quarterback at halftime, it means that you've been thinking about doing it. And if you've been thinking about making that move, Chris, why not make it the week prior so you're giving Kenny Pickett maybe the best opportunity to succeed and giving him a long week um, to prepare as the starter? They didn't do that, and I think there's been some, some criticism 
criticism alongside that when you're talking about a guy like Mike Tomlin, who maybe has avoided a lot of that criticism because he hasn't had that quarterback situation um, over the first couple of years and the first decade of his career as head coach. Like he's had Ben Roethlisberger that whole time, and and now you know anytime you have a rookie quarterback and you you're trying to thread the needle, you're gonna likely have criticism that follows that. Like overall, how do you believe that that Tomlin has handled the situation? I mean, I think Tomlin is trying to balance a few things here. One, you know, you're trying to show veterans who do sign in the future, hey, we gave Mitch Trubisky a fair shot. Just, and that's not just a quarterback, at cornerback, at guard, at whatever position. But, you know, there's going to be plenty of times when the Steelers sign a guy at a position that, you know, a month later, they'll draft. And they want to be in a position where it's like, hey, we don't want guys, you know, just, you know, just dipping up out of Pittsburgh. So I think part of it is that, trying to balance that situation. But also, you do have to, you know, you have to think, you know, he's trying to – Mike Tomlin has always been about playing veterans, giving veterans the chance to kind of earn their, earn their spots because he prefers guys that are battle-tested. And I truly think he's trying to give Mitch Trubisky a fair shake. But, I mean, you could just see the energy when Kenny Pickett took the field. I do feel like Mike Tomlin made a mistake in, in, how, in, in not starting him up against the Jets. I don't blame him for the week before. The Steelers only had two days to really prepare for Cleveland because that was Thursday night football. And I think Thursday night football is dumb, as we all saw the Denver Broncos and Indianapolis Colts shenanigans. That was Thursday night. But all in all, that Jets week, I thought, was the, the right was the right move, you know, going into before the game. But making the call at halftime, you know, seemed like a, hey, we're going to just see what this guy has. And even though you read the stat line, it shows three interceptions. He threw 10. He was 10 of 13. One of those, two of the, one of those interceptions was a Hail Mary. One of those was a jump ball, a 50-50 ball that Chase Claypool should have caught on a person he was six inches taller than. And the other one was, admittedly, that Kenny Pickett said after the game, I should have thrown that higher because I was trying to throw it away, and it tipped off before I'm retained. So, uh, all in all, though, he came on, he had a command of the field, knew where he was going each play, and that's a lot more than what Mitch Trubisky gave. He also had the longest Steelers touchdown drive of the season. I do think that Mike Tomlin should have, should have let him start going into that game. But again, he's Mike Tomlin. He's earned the, the, the chance to make mistakes and get, get some things wrong. 100%. And, you know, listen, I, I, the other thing I, I maybe want to ask you about, too, is – Overall, your thoughts on on Najee Harris. This is an organization that spent a first-round pick on a running back, and I don't know that they've gotten the returns that they've wanted to get out of Najee. And and part of that, Chris, is probably not his fault. I think they've really struggled up front to block for him and block for any of the quarterbacks that have been playing behind him as well. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, they they kind of just like forfeited and said this is going to be a bit of a patchwork situation when they realized that this was, you know, that Kenny Pickett was going to fall to them this year and that was the plan they were going to go with. Um, but you've start, certainly seen that. But I, 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 I point people to, like, go look at Derrick Henry's numbers. You know, it took until his fourth year before, before he became the Derrick Henry that we all know. Whoop, and that's the stadium noise coming in there, so I'm going to back away from that. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. But, okay. uh, but, but point, point being, uh, Derrick Henry, it took him time to become the man in Tennessee that we know now. I think it's going to take Najee time. I also think he's still dealing with a foot injury that he's not mm. being too honest about because he knows there's a lot of weight on him potential, but also for his leadership potential. I urge anyone who wants to learn more about Najee Harris, go look at some of his interviews when he's been asked about Mr. Trubisky, about Kenny Pickett, about anybody on the team. And the way he handles it is like, he, he handles it like Cam Hayward does at times. You know, a seasoned veteran who's been around the league for like over a decade. And he just he answers things the right way while also being entertaining and, you know, and kind of putting on a good face for the organization. They wanted that kind of a player. I think a big part of this is A, Defenses know what, that Najee Harris is the primary weapon of the offense, and they haven't had a reason to fear a deep ball since 2017 Ben Roethlisberger. So 
um, you know, they, that's been part of the problem with Najee Harris. But B, he does have to develop a chemistry with the team. I think they started two last week. He averaged over four yards per carry, um, you know, and they were moving the ball once Kenny Pickett came in. But they do have to get better return from him. I do agree. We've got Christopher Carter here on our Western Hotline. Chris is the uh, Locked On Steelers host on the Locked On Steelers podcast network, which, of course, you can hear on our Odyssey app. And uh, he's also a writer over at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris, um, part of this game is going to be kind of the battle of attrition right now. Both teams dealing with some injuries, obviously most notably T.J. Watt. And for the Bills, Micah Hyde is out for the season, and Jordan Poyer won't be playing in this game. Considering all of those injuries, it's interesting to me that we haven't seen the, the, the line in this game go down much. You would think without a Jordan Poyer, that line might start to creep back towards the Steelers, and we haven't seen that. Is it maybe just simply because the, the unknown of Kenny Pickett right now entering this game in his first start? I think mean, it's the unknown of Kenny Pickett, but also the Steelers haven't proven their ability to win without T.J. Watt. They're 0-9 when he, when he doesn't play in a game the last two years, and I believe they're 0-10, 0-10-1 when he plays only partially a game where he's coming back off of an injury. So, you know, you're looking at that and you're saying, like, man, can the Steelers win without this guy? And, again, it shows why he was the defensive uh, player of the year last year. He was the most valuable player. When he was on the field, the Steelers' defense was crushing. They crushed the Bills last year. They were, they were the reason they were in it. They were, they were the reason they beat the Bengals this year. But when he's off the field, the defense is decent but not great. And that cost this, this, cost this team game. So I, I look at it and I say, if I'm a better, I'm like, look, you know, Buffalo may be missing all these pieces, but the Steelers' offense has showed no consistency. Uh, you don't know what you have in Kenny Pickett moving forward. This is in Buffalo. And – you know, this is still missing T.J. Watt. They're going to be missing Terrell Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds' his brother. Um, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out who they are while the Bills know who they are, and this is their year. I get it. You know, if it was me, I would take the Steelers just because a 14-point, you know, spread in, in pro football is insanely big. Um, and not that it can't happen, but it's just, whew, that's, a, that's a big number to have to cover. And I do think the Steelers keep it within, like, 10 points. Uh, but – it's, yeah, I, I think a big part of this is just we don't know what the Steelers are going to look like with Kenny Pickett. There's excitement, but also anxiousness amongst, amongst the Steelers nation. Give me a little thoughts here on the trio of wide receivers, right? And I think going into this season, uh, all eyes on Deontay Johnson gets that contract extension. And then it was the emergence of George Pickens, a guy that maybe will turn around a two, two, three years down the line and say he was the best receiver from this draft. And a lot of teams passed him up. Um, but then there's Chase Claypool. And, and I'm a big Chase Claypool fan coming out of Notre Dame. I'm a big Notre Dame fan. And um, okay. it just hasn't worked out the way that I think a lot of people would have thought it would have worked for him um, coming into the league, just being the dynamic athlete and the, just the body type and, and everything you get from Claypool. What do you think, in your estimation, has gone wrong for him and why he hasn't really been able to establish himself as maybe a true number two receiver in the NFL? I think part of it is, one, it's tough for Chase to get established when you know the Steelers have had such controversies at, at, at quarterback. He got the old man version of Ben Roethlisberger that you know for half of 2020 he was getting the he was getting the ball out, he was getting the ball down the field. But then late in the season his arms started to tire, and that's when all the short passes started to come into play. And you saw Chase Claypool's ability diminish and his production diminish. Um, now I think that what you've seen this year is I think he's had better hands when he's gotten his hands on the football in general but he still doesn't high point the ball the way that he should with his size. And that's something that I think he has to still work on. But I will say Chase Claypool has grown a lot in maturity. Last year, everyone who watches the Steelers remembers the Thursday night football game against the Minnesota Vikings when the Steelers were driving down the field. They needed to score and get a two-point conversion and a two-minute drill. 
he gets a first down and he points afterwards and everyone's like, get the ball to the ref. And, you know, that was a, just looked at as such an undisciplined mistake. He's cleaned those up now. He doesn't do those anymore. And I, I, I say, like, the way he talks, you can tell that he's grown up a lot. But he just has, I think he has to develop a chemistry with his quarterback. And with Mitch Trubisky, it was just tough. He was having a hard time seeing the field. I know a lot of people will point to, oh, what about play calls? There were open guys all over the field consistently in the first four weeks of the Steelers. And you kind of even saw that when Kenny Pickett came in and the way that he was able to attack with the offense. So I think part of it is just Chase Claypool. He has some personal struggles, the quarterback problems, plus the Steelers are trying to figure out the identity. And he does have talent around him. Deontay Johnson gets very good separation. And if you go back and look at his one-handed catch against the Bengals, you're like, wow, there is definitely talent there. But then you go back and look at some of his drops, and you're like, there's its consistencies. And then you do have George Pickens, like you said, this guy destroyed people all training camp, and he is, he is a dog. And people say they got that dog in him, that's who George Pickens is. And I do think that he's the next great Steelers wide receiver of the future. Uh, but that's a lot of traffic. And you also have Pat Fryman with a tight end and Najee Harris running back. The ball can only go so many places, and you, don't even have, you, you haven't even had your quarterback that has been really good, like a, like a prime Ben Roethlisberger, to distribute it. So all that leads into a lot of the dysfunction that has happened in the wide receiver room. Chris, uh, you know, obviously it feels like the quarterback position and, and T.J. Watt, like those are the things that, that a lot of people around the league have been talking about with the Steelers team. But I, I maybe want to turn my attention um, to the linebacking, I, I think, issues this the Steelers defense has had. And it's not for a lack of resources they've put in the position, right? I mean, you know, the Devin Bush a couple of years ago in the first round, that has just not been a, a – is it injuries? And Maybe we'll start with Bush. Has it been injuries that it just have kind of derailed his football career? Because he seemed like a can't-miss player coming out of Michigan. Well, he was a can't-miss player for a year and a half. In his rookie season, he had the most tackles by a Steelers rookie ever. Um, he was all over the field. He was creating turnovers. And then halfway into his second season, he was doing very well again. He was, he was stopping the run. He was, he was helping against the pass. Uh, he had a really impressive one-handed interception against Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then he tore his ACL. I believe it was also his MCL, LCL. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I won't say all the things there. But he got a really bad knee injury that sidelined him for the entire year. He didn't get back until, like, training camp 2020. And even then, like, you could tell when he was moving, he didn't trust his body. And, uh, former Steelers linebacker Vince Williams is like, hey, I know Devin. That kid's explosive and he runs all over the place. He's not. He can't trust his body yet, and so that's why you saw him just not be a good player last year. This year, I do think Devin Bush has been better than last year, but still, it's not you know the top ten pick that they traded up to get, and uh, the Steelers don't trade up too often to get a player like that in, in an NFL draft. So he's been a disappointment in that sense, but I do think an injury plays a big role in that. Still, he's got to find a way to move forward. I do think Miles Jack has helped, but a big part of what the problem is here, Nate, the Steelers have just – the defense has just been on the field for too long in these first games. They played 100 snaps against the Bengals. They've added average 80 snaps in the season. They've just been – time and time again. Part of it is the three-and-outs problem. The Steelers, like, I think they have the most three-and-outs in the NFL. Uh, they have the second-worst time possession in the NFL, the second-shortest drives in the NFL. And all of that has kind of led to your defense just being exhausted at the end of these games, which I think the Buffalo Bills are going to take advantage of in this matchup. Chris, uh, how about the offensive line? Um, we talked a little bit about it when we were talking about the struggles of Najee Harris, but I think part yeah. of the issues that – and listen, I I don't know. I Maybe I'm partial to Mitch Trubisky. He spent some time here in Buffalo last year, and a lot of people left saying, like, even though Mitch didn't really have much of an impact on the field, that – 
guys in this locker room really respected and liked Mitch. And he left here, and I think a lot of Bills fans were rooting for him to be successful in Pittsburgh. And it just didn't work out. And I think part of it is the protection up front has just not been good. And this has been a sort of a recurring issue for the Steelers. They're, they really have not invested in the offensive line like they probably should. And that puts Kenny Pickett in an ad, uh, maybe a, a, a not as an advantageous position as you'd like to have a rookie quarterback in. But, you know, I know you, you talked a little bit about his mobility maybe being a, a, the help um, that will give him the success that that Trubisky had wasn't able to have. But like overall, where do you go with this offensive line, knowing that you know they're they're probably going to have to look at some serious upgrades this upcoming offseason? I, I think they will too. Like you know, they know this offensive line has to be better. But you know, it's one of those things where you have to pick where your weaknesses are going to be. You can't be strong everywhere all the time. You know, like you know, like you have some years where yes, you're you're just you hit on the young players, you signed the right old players and you have a really great situation going on, but that doesn't last for more than three years if you're lucky. Um, you know, and when, you're, when you have this offensive line the way it is, you know, they thought they were going to have David DeCastro last season. didn't work out. They thought they were going to have, you know, they, 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 had, they were just dealing with Marquise Pouncey with retirement. They were hoping that Kendrick Green, the center they drafted in the third round last year, would work out. He's not even getting a helmet right now. So they've made, they've made some mistakes. They've also, you know, been dealing with age. But I will also say this offensive line has actually performed above expectations. They are not giving up pressures at the rate, rate that I thought they would. Uh, they actually gave Mitch Trubisky they, – they they, I think they struggled more in run blocking, but they're still figuring out how to be aggressive as a group there. But in pass protection, I mean, Mitch Trubisky even said after games, like, hey, this sack was on me. Oftentimes he would run into the sack. They would do a good job of protecting and giving him time. Uh, and not uh, every single snap, because there's certainly times they gave up pressure when they shouldn't. But it wasn't unreasonable. It wasn't stuff that Ben Roethlisberger didn't deal with in his prime, even when the Steelers had a top off five offensive line at times. And I, I do think that uh, the Steelers' offensive line right now, it needs to be better. I think that uh, you know Kevin Dotson had a rough game last week, but that was a turnaround from what I thought he had done a decent job leading up to that. I think James Daniels is getting better at right guard. Um, Takuma Korfu, I think, at right tackle is, has been you know above the line. Uh, Mason Cole's kind of held held down the fort at center. But, you know, Dan Moore Jr., you know, he's, they drafted him in the fourth round last year. He's better, but he's still a fourth-round left tackle that honestly is more of a right tackle with how, with how he plays this game. So I, I don't think that the offensive line has been the, the, you know, the Achilles heel of this team, but it also hasn't been anything that's helped put this team over, and that's the problem when you, don't, when you have a quarterback who's struggling to see the field, who's struggling to establish a rapport with the team. Um, and, you know, and I think, it's, I think also you look at, you know, two plays side by side. Uh, there was a clip put out there by Tyler Wise, a Steelers writer in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, he put two clips together of very similar concepts where Kenny Pickett got pressure up a gap uh, in Pat Farmer was wide open, open over the middle. He hit him for a big game, got up. And that was the play where he got hit by uh, Quentin Williams and he got up and he was like, yeah, I, I can do that. Uh, in the first half, a very similar concept. There was uh, with with Mr. Bisky, you had Pat Fromm's open, you had George Pickens open, and Jalen Warren open, and he didn't look at either of them, and he didn't have a gap pressure, but he still got sacked on that play. And that's just, I think that's been the biggest difference is Kenny Pickett understands where his protection is and where, where he needs to go on hot situations. Mr. Bisky, I think that he was in his head a little bit because he knew that the young rookie first-round pick that everybody is cheering for in Pittsburgh because he was a superstar at Pitt, for Pitt football. Um, I think he looked over his shoulder a bit and was a little bit nervous. So, Chris, um, for Bills fans who are thinking to themselves, okay, no T.J. Watt this week, who, who should the Bills and Bills fans watch out for on the edge for the Steelers' defense that, that could give you know, Spencer Brown their young right tackle and Deion Dawkins some fits? 
Well, it's definitely Alex Highsmith, the second most sacks in the NFL, only behind uh, Nick Bosa right now with five and a half. Um, he's a third-round pick out of Charlotte from a few years ago, and he has really blossomed. I can tell you, when, whenever I'm at Steelers practice and, you, and you're seeing guys, when the Steelers defense is done and like the first team is like going off to rest, him, him and T.J. Watt would go to the sideline somewhere and they would just practice like different counter moves on each other. Like they practice a rip, they practice a swim, they practice a club, and like you'd walk by them and it would just look like these guys are kung fu masters. The way they're just hand fighting at times, and they're just like, "Whoa!" Alex Highsmith has put in a lot of work to be really, really good. Not T.J. Watt because T.J. Watt is a freak of nature, but he is a very good edge rusher that if you don't pay attention to, he will win his one on one and get after the quarterback. Last week. There were about two sacks that I think Zach Wilson did a great job of getting out of. And that's where I think Josh Allen can still protect himself. He's big, he's fast, he knows how to handle himself against bigger players. But if you let Alex Highsmith keep getting opportunities, eventually he will get after you. So I'd watch out for him. I'd also say Cam Hayward's always always a problem. Malik Reed, though, is a big question mark uh, for, for uh, uh, for the Steelers. He hasn't been a playmaker on the edge. He also hasn't been fundamentally sound. If I'm the Bills, I try to run a lot his way or make sure that I'm leaving him in the one-on-one situations, not Alex Highsmith. So last thing I've got for you, um, the Steelers against the run. Obviously, the Bills have not been, and really have not been in the Josh Allen era, a, a, a good running team. And I think the stats are incredibly misleading because all of those stats are, any any good running statistic for the Bills is a Josh Allen, Josh Allen statistic. Um, <laughs> he's got... Every single touchdown accounted for this year is Josh Allen. Whether it's on the ground or through the air, Josh Allen is every all 12 touchdowns this Bills offense have scored, he has been a part of. Um, so that should tell you about you know the running game. However, this is a Steelers defense that has not stopped the run particularly well. Is this a week that maybe if the Bills are looking to get right, um, that they could do that on the ground with Devin Singletary, maybe even their rookie James Cook against this Steelers rush defense? I certainly would. I mean, if I'm the Bills, I look at, you know, like it was really funny. The early part of the Browns game, Nick Chubb had a really had a really good run, and then they passed three times in a row. And I'm like, hey, if that's the, if that's the game plan they're going with, the Steelers are going to be fine. And, of course, they went back to Nick Chubb, and they were able to win the game. But the Steelers' run defense, part of it, again, they were really good week one against Joe Mixon. They were really good in the first half against the Patriots. But you just saw the slower communication, getting blown off the ball in the defensive line, but in the defensive line group, allowing the linemen to get to the linebackers, and then them getting tired because they're getting hit all game. It is all kind of crumbled into that situation, um, and you saw a continuation of that a bit uh, last last Sunday at times. Uh, you know, that, and not as not as much the, the the run game wasn't what crushed them, um, but you know, I do think if you're the Bills, take advantage of this this Steelers defense. They're tired. They're still trying to figure out what their answers are without T.J. Watt. Run at them. And, again, run at Malik Reed's side. You know, attack him. Make him prove that he's, that he's a good backup for, you know, for the, at the edge rushing position. And, you know, try to double up, get to those linebackers. Miles Jack has been good when he's had the opportunity to make plays, but oftentimes he's been blocked out or he's kind of been lost in the, lost in the traffic of it. So, if I'm the Bills, definitely run the ball at some point. Still, I would try to use the passing game to get, to get ahead. You know, the Steelers, they're down a strong safety. They're down a cornerback attack that secondary, but once you get a lead, don't be afraid to lean, up, lean on your running big game and see if you can build it up because you need some synergy there for when it gets late in the season and just someone has your number in the passing game and you need a counter to it. And I do think the Bills are going to be that team that are going to be fighting for the one seed at the end of the season and something like that would come to their advantage. Chris, thank you so much, man. Your insight is unparalleled. Tell the folks in Buffalo uh, that want to keep an eye on the Steelers for the rest of the season and, and going forward where they can find your stuff, all of your work, and uh, where they can find you on Twitter. 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can listen to or watch my show, Locked on Steelers, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, of course, Odyssey, and YouTube. Um, you can also check out me, check me out at the Pittsburgh Post because I cover Pitt Athletics there. I'm actually here covering Pitt versus Virginia Tech. If you want to look at some of the prospects they got coming up, like the defensive tackle, uh, all-American defensive tackle, Kalijah Kinsey, we got all of that there for you. So check me out, Pittsburgh Post Gazette, Locked on Steelers, and at Carter Critique. Thanks so much, Nate. No, my pleasure, man. Keep up the great work. Really, really enjoy the work and the hustle for you, man. Um, good luck and enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll, we'll do this again soon, man. Appreciate you. Awesome. Christopher Carter there, again, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and uh, of Locked on Steelers. You can check out the Locked on Steelers podcast on the Odyssey app, where all of Locked on Sports, uh, whether it's the NBA, whether it's uh, football, of course, our Joe Marino, uh, who visits the show on the morning show every Wednesday morning. Uh, You can check out Locked on Bills as well. That is through the Odyssey app as well. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 